So thank you very much for everyone being here. It's really nice to see you all. Um, look forward to the day that we can see you all physically as well. And um, yeah, so today I wanted to offer a little talk about balance in the midst of it all. And there is a lot to that word all in very large font and uh, a lot that's happening. And um, so I want to speak to that a bit and um, have some time for some small breakout rooms just to hear how you're doing in the midst of it all. Some large group uh, comments after that and then Linda, our president, will offer a bit of a, a state of a union of um, of what's happening with with inside santa cruz because we've been in um since march 15th we've been closed i remember so specifically it was friday march 13th i was supposed to drive to southern california to teach a meditation retreat and it was canceled um, earlier that morning because of the um, the pandemic arising and I think that we gave our last sit on that Sunday or that Saturday actually that Sunday I think Betsy and, and my wife Jan and I we went around and kind of blessed the center and said we'll see you later for a while and now it's October it's been many months yesterday I was talking with a friend and she was asking about, um, you know, the polarities that are happening in our country, and if not in the world, of course, of um, those most supportive to the right, those to the left, those up, those down, those that are Republican, those that are Democrats, and, and so forth. And um, how do we come together? And um, it's a great question. And what comes to me is to find our common humanity. I know it may not be easy, but each of us has head hair, body hair, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, bone marrow, kidneys, and so forth. We are all human. And so how do we find our common humanity so that we can understand one another? There was a jazz player, just get his name, it was um, it's a black man, Daryl Davis. He was an accomplished keyboardist who worked with Chuck Berry and Little Richard. And um, he had the side interest of, um, it was very controversial, but he, he wanted to try to understand why people hated him because of his skin color. And so he purposely went out of his way to make contact with um, uh, the Grand Poobah of the, of the KKK, this was some years ago, and, and, and got to know him. And eventually, through understanding and listening, they became friends. And this Grand Poobah actually quit the KKK. It was quite a, interesting and, you know, and a, and a controversial story. But he was focusing on his common humanity. 
if you get to know me personally and take away some of the myths and the mythologies, maybe there's a way that we can bridge some gaps and to understand one another. And perhaps for many of us within our own families, we have some that vote one way and some that vote another way. And maybe there's agreements on how when we meet for holidays, all right, we just don't talk about it. Or maybe I, we don't have dinner together. <laughs> you know, who knows? So this, I think, affects many of us. And, and again, how do we find the common humanity? I happened to be, I remember four years ago, and actually Meg was on this retreat, was at the Insight Retreat Center, and Gil Fronsdale and I were teaching a meditation re retreat, and it was the first retreat after Trump won the election in 2016, kind of an unforgettable retreat. <laughs> and um, I think many people recognized it by the end of the retreat. It's a good thing they were on the retreat. But I remember, I don't know whether it was Gil that said this or myself or someone else, but you know, in, in regards to our common humanity, like if we saw an accident on the road, for example, our, our common humanity would probably, probably be a pull inside us to want to try to help this person, whether calling 911, maybe going over to helping. I mean, the impulse, this is a fellow human being that is hurt. And we don't stop to ask who they voted for. It's a common humanity. So I know we're up against a, a really big election on Tuesday, it cannot be denied. And on top of the election, living with a lot of racial unrest, political unrest, climate change, the pandemic, there's a lot. And I think the importance of, uh, of Dharma practice as a way of finding our balance in the midst of it, which doesn't mean that we don't become detached or not caring. I think we care a lot, or for some of us, care a lot about ourselves and each other, but also this wisdom of finding balance. In the Tuesday noon sit, we've been focusing the last few weeks on the 10 paramis or the 10 perfections or the 10 qualities of what a bodhisattva undertakes in order to uh, become a Buddha someday. So I find that these 10 perfections or qualities not only lead to Buddhahood, but they also lead to sanity. We've been working with these each week. And actually on Tuesday, which is our last time working with the paramis, we're ending with equanimity, which is, I think, a really good place to, to land on Tuesday. But, you know, to me, like these qualities, perfections that are leading to Buddhahood also lead us to sanity. The qualities of generosity. Such a beautiful quality. Lessening our sense of selfishness, extending outwards to another. This is an ingredient for calming humanity, the quality of generosity, the quality of morality or virtue, integrity, again, is a supportive of our common humanity, that it 
that the you know that the precepts are so gorgeous they begin with safety not killing living beings and building the sense of trust by, by not stealing from one another the sense of respect by not harming with each other with our sexuality the the building of 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 sincere and mutual and honest and empathic communication of wise speech and then lastly the quality of clarity awakening not dulling the mind with intoxicants these are aspects that develop our common humanity the quality of renunciation and actually a, a wonderful way that I like to interpret this is from one teacher speaks about renouncing those things that don't serve your health and well-being or self-destructive tendencies that's a beautiful quality the cultivation of the quality of wisdom wisdom is understanding about suffering and how it's caused through our unawareness, through our grasping, through our aversion, the pathway towards the lessening of that and how to live our life. These eightfold steps of cultivating our virtue, concentration, wisdom, the quality of wisdom, the qualities of energy or effort. There's a wise effort, sincerity of wanting to awaken the quality of patience. My teacher, Tampu Lucero, used to speak about patience again and again and again, that patience is the way to Nibbana. Patience is the way to Nibbana. I used to hear him say that all the time. He'd talk about patience, and I would just get so impatient listening to him give teachings about patience, and I'd be wondering inside my heart, how do you become patient? I'm so impatient. But then it began to dawn with me as I began to sit with my impatience and feel what it feels like physically and mentally and emotionally and with it and stew with it. And being aware of all the different things that are coming up with my pain of not wanting to be here and just wanting to be somewhere else, all this evoking of what came up as I sat with my impatience. But lo and behold, not that I could say that I've mastered this particular parami but lo and behold as i as i was able to actually sit with my impatience and acknowledge everything that was coming up within it i was discovering i was actually becoming a little bit more patient it was very a big surprise to me that my willingness to be with impatience helped grow a sense of a little bit more patience and that it is a, an incredible quality because i'm so apt to jump in to do something and, of course, sometimes it is wise to jump in and do something and our discernment of when is that to be and when is that not to be. The quality of truthfulness that this is the other beautiful, one of the other beautiful qualities of the paramis is sincerity of, of honoring what is true within us, what we experience, to be, to be sober and honest with ourselves which at times can include um, some difficult feelings, acknowledging some of the parts that I like, some parts that I don't like, inviting me to, to speak honestly, to be honest. The quality of determination, resolution, which is similar to effort, but it's this quality of, I want to wake up. I want to grow with more compassion. I want to reconcile that by the time that I'm lying on my deathbed, I will have made peace with myself, with others, 
in the world. There's a resolve, a commitment, a determination to grow, to be a better person, if you will, to make peace with our own hearts. The last two qualities, loving kindness, that which softens the hardened heart. This understands our common humanity. Perhaps for many of us, we begin to discover that, that most of us, we want to be happy. We want to be safe. We are scared of being in pain, scared of not having enough. No matter who you vote for, there's that sense of wanting to have safety, to, to be safe. So that quality of loving kindness is such a beautiful way of establishing our common humanity. The last quality is this quality of equanimity. And equanimity is such a beautiful quality, and I'd like to first begin by saying it's not complacency, it's not apathy, it's not not caring about things, it's not disassociation. You could say that equanimity is a, um, a wisdom factor. It has perspective. There's a sense of um, seeing perhaps a bigger picture, understanding that things come and things go. So there's a quality of, of, of wisdom in, in equanimity. And so, you know, I think that with these ten qualities, we can be in relationship with them. Perhaps uh, d developing them in finer and more beautiful ways. So in relationship with our generosity, with our morality, with our renunciation, with our wisdom, with our energy or effort or patience and truthfulness, determination, loving kindness, equanimity. These are qualities that we can be in relationship with and grow and develop as a practice. Through the years, I've actually worked with a number of students and people that we would we would practice with one of these one once a month, and then we'd come back once a month and we'd talk about so how is working with generosity for this month? How is it working with virtue for this month? So these are practices that we can practice with and be in relationship with that can be supportive, particularly in these times of such duress and uncertainty. Can we find our grounding in the Dharma teachings? And I know and trust that perhaps each and every one of us here has our sides and we know who it is that we want to vote for and who we don't want to be to win or to lose. And I want to respect that and not get into that part of it. But I, what I want to... Um, is can we begin to, to... How do we begin to bridge and find our common humanity in this? It was hoped for a few moments at the beginning of the pandemic that there was almost a sense of a common humanity, but then it became very political and separate. But that we're, we are one human species. Carl Sagan, who is uh, an astronomer, and shortly before his death, he helped arrange in this satellite um, 
um, it's called the Voyager. And I think actually the Star Trek Voyager is named after that. But he, they managed to actually take a picture out beyond Pluto of the planet Earth. So it got far out on the edge of the solar system and it took a picture from, and looking back, and, it's, and so this is some of his field notes. It's called that pale blue dot. He said, we succeeded in taking that picture from deep space. And if you look at it, there's a blue small dot. That's home. That's us. And on it, every one you ever heard of, every human being who ever lived, lived out their lives. The aggregate of all of our joys and suffering, thousands of confident religions and ideologies and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilizations, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every hopeful child, every mother and father, every inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every super superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived on that moat of dust, that pale blue dot suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a very cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that they, in their glory and in triumph, could become the momentary masters of a fraction of this dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of the dot on a scarcely distinguishable uh, other inhabitants from another corner of the dot, and how frequent their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill one another, how fervent their hatreds, our posturing, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are all challenged by this point of pale blue dot in its light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic darkness and in our obscurity in all this vastness there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. It is up to us it has been said that astronomy is a humbling and I might add a character building experience into my mind. There is perhaps no better demonstration the folly of human conceits that this distant image of our tiny world. And to me it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly and compassionately with one another, to preserve and cherish that pale blue dot. It is the only home we have ever known this pale blue dot. Our common humanity. It's even said that actually astronauts that go out into space and are there for a while, they have a, a certain type of an effect. I'm actually forgetting right now the particular name for this. It's, it's, it's a phenomenon that happens with some astronauts where they see the whole world for the first time and it transforms your consciousness. I know this happened to Edgar Mitchell, who was one of the people that landed on the moon. And, 
after um, being an astronaut, he founded the Institute of Noetic Science and devoted the rest of his life to spirituality and science. He, he had a powerful experience when he, he took this picture of the Earth rising from the moon and it changed his consciousness. What is this life? We are one humanity. So I'll just speak uh, from some words of... Uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King that I just love so much. And it corresponds so deeply with the Dharma. And of course, within the Dhammapada, it speaks about that hatred never ceases by hatred. Only love ceases hatred. And that this is a universal law. So this is from Dr. Martin Luther King. He says, the ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral, begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. And instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you don't murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. In returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. He's speaking about our common humanity, and he goes on to say that I have to say to you, I've decided to stick to love. I love how he says that. I have decided to stick to love. And I know that love is ultimately the only answer to the problems of humanity. And I say to myself that hate is too great of a burden to bear, so I have decided to love. If you are seeking the highest good, I think you can find it through love. Dr. Martin Luther King. So we're entering into, um, well, we are, have entered into these times of uncertainty. And I know that for many of us, including myself, you know, Tuesday's quite a day, the election day. And of course, we may not know for some time after. But I, but I just want to invite us as a community, the Dharma, teachings of the Dharma, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the awakening, the teachings of awakening, the community supports each other awakening, that we are a community and these Dharma teachings are accessible for us to practice, to ground us, and to remember our common humanity. And to celebrate our common humanity and uh, to respect our common humanity, even if they don't have the same opinion that we do and perhaps there is a way just like that black musician finding his way with the grand poobah of the KKK and finding some place to understand one another. That's an extreme example of course but anything is possible if we begin to listen and to understand. So let's just sit for a few moments and then we'll um, take a pause to some small groups to discuss and connect with each other. So just sitting for a few moments, just sensing into the body and acknowledging whatever's present. And I'll again invite in these reflections of the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the awakening, the teachings of awakening, the community that supports awakening.
May this be a deep refuge. Thank you. And so we'll uh, shut off the recording for now, and um, then we'll re-record again when Linda gives her talk, but we won't record the discussions parts. And um, yeah, I'd like to just more business type questions, and this was really designed more like this space was to um, hear how the, how the hearts of you are going, but I think it's probably looking at the clock, I think this is a good segue time. So I'm gonna, invite Linda to come on and she has a little report and there'll be some Q&A and, and some of that question will be addressed as well as others. So thank you. So um, I think Bob just did a lot of the presentation here, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. I don't know what to say about the environment. We are the only thing that's constant right now is inconstancy, it's inconsistency, it's change it seems. and. Although we still got everything that we've all been talking about, you know, since we last met in June, we've also had the fires and their devastating impact on some of those who lost their homes. We've had passing of some of our Dharma friends. Um, um, but I also, one of the common threads I hear is this COVID fatigue, you know, it's, it's tiring. Um, and so that's a reality. Um, but as we, we just keep things going, and so what I want to do is talk to you some about some of what, what we were, we're up to, and it includes the issues along uh, about our income and expenses and some of the ways in which we're planning, and it also um, includes questions about reopening. So um, this will only take about 10 minutes. 
Um, so, yeah, you know, we've had, I don't know, for on the program side, there's a lot that's been going on. It's, um, uh, you know, we still maintain the entire program during this period, which is unbelievable. Um, and not only that, but then we increase the program and some really interesting and unique things have been, you know, showing up on the on the program side. And if you haven't, you know, by, you know, we tend to go to the things that we're comfortable with and used to, but there's some really amazing you know, things that, that have come, I mean, um, Kim and Diane, I think, are doing a, a, a you know, a program together. Um, Meg, Kevin, and Carol started their Monday nights. It's close to being done, I believe, but it's just been this beautiful summary of all of the different, you know, Buddhist, you know, teachings in, 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 a, in a succinct way. Um, all of these things are are recorded as well. Karen Zellens provided some additional um, classes. We have an upcoming retreat that's coming, you know, starting in a, in a month or so, if you haven't, a few weeks, I think, if you haven't signed up. Um, it's going to be on Zoom. Home retreating, if you haven't done it yet, can be just a, a gift. It can be really, um, you know, a very sweet way to, to spend time. So uh, don't let sheltering in place you know, stop you. We've got a new teacher that came on board, somebody who's just just um, who just graduated from the Spirit Rock four-year teacher training, which is fairly intense. Um, JD Doyle, JD has taught with us a bit. Um, they're also going to be offering a program called Buddhism as as a liberatory path that's really in line with the work that we're we've been doing about our you know about whiteness and our own you know um, issues along social justice and racism. And the start date will be postponed. It was postponed until after the election and the beginning of the year. So just, you know, programs plus all the regular sits and all the regular, you know, um, teaching teachers have just stayed connected, which is beautiful. And we couldn't have done this at all without the technology support that we've gotten from Thank you, Larry and Lance and Karen and Kara and others that um, in spite of some ups and downs that we've had along the way, we've really had these dedicated volunteers who did who moved mountains as far as I'm concerned and got us up and going. Um, and it, even when we did have, you know, in the beginning, it was a little rocky and then we had some things show up later. And but reliability has improved. Speed has improved. We've had very little complaints about the uh, Zoom these, you know, these last couple of months. Um, this function is as more important than ever, the, the, this, this, the behind the scenes piece on technology. It also includes the website, which has also helped us stay connected. Um, you, you remember we, we'd just gone live with it after our last meeting um, and it continues to improve as well. There was, you know, we improved the sort function on the calendar. We're able to feature more than one program now. The newsletters and videos are all on the website. It's easier to navigate, et cetera. And we're also working on a way to, and to um, create a Spanish language presence that um, we're you know, in the process of, of doing. So just wanna acknowledge that you know, Karen and, um, and Patty and Larry and Lance and others on both the website and the newsletter, which we've been writing twice a week as a way to stay connected. We're gonna change that now to once, uh, twice a month. I mean, we ran it every week and now we're changing it to twice a month. And um, I think that is, you know, just to give them a little bit of a break, but also you're noticing I may be a little less news lately because there's not quite as, as much um, so we think we can do it in two weeks, every two weeks. And if not, we'll increase it again. 
Um, and there's also in that newsletter, I don't know if you've noticed, a care of the Sangha and meta request. And so I just want to open that up to anybody who's, you know, has something that they need or would like, you know, something like a meta, you know, provided to them if you're going through hard stuff, whatever. So, um, you know, we've, we're maintaining, we're staying connected, really, really important pieces of that. Um, a big part of what we're also having to do is pay attention to the finances. And we are actually, you know, managing the finances. We are collecting and depositing money. I want to say thanks to Patty and Betsy and Larry and Meg and, every, you know, others for helping us monitor all of that. Um, expenses, you know, not a lot went away. As, as Alice asked about, I think it was Alice who asked about our rent, um, we are paying full rent at this moment. Um, and we also have our other major expense, which is our one employee. Um, those are the biggest costs. And then we've added a little bit of cost related to technology infrastructure and the response to the regulatory requirements that was handed down by uh, AB5. Any of you who weren't at the June meeting, call me and I'll tell you more about that again. I won't go into it in detail, but do want to remind us that, um, you know, that caused some, created some expense and it created some, some change in how we do things. So let me just take a little tangent and just reemphasize that with that change that started in March, it means that Insight Santa Cruz no longer pays teachers direct um, through the center and all Donna that that is offered to teachers goes directly to teacher from individuals. So we've set up a number of technological ways to do that um, online and through the website. Um, so if that's not something you're comfortable with, there's also writing checks and mailing them in. But that's been really an important change and remembering the teachers is an important piece of this process. Um, so um, the other thing that we did relative to expenses is we contacted the landlords a few, I don't know, weeks ago, and then there was a fire and whatever, but we're back to active conversation with our landlords. And what we have been offered is a deferment. We ask for a decrease and they're offering a deferment. We're now in the fine to um, the fine print about what exactly that means. Does it mean we just pay later or does it mean we pay later with the hope that they will forgive? Whatever. But we're looking into the details on that and hope that we do find some ways of relief. So on the expense side, that's where we are. On the income side, um, you know, we're doing okay, thanks to you, the Sangha. And, um, you know, we're seeing a little bit less per month, um, but it's really hard to analyze what that looks like. We're receiving a little bit less per month, um, but I, we think it's the, uh, the annual fund campaign that's really been sustaining us, but we don't know that for, you know, for sure. Um, we don't have the baskets anymore, so we can't really monitor that separate from the money coming in. Uh, via uh, PayPal, PayPal Giving, Stripe, Network, Net, Net, Network for Good. Um, but whatever the source, we are finding enough resources to maintain, at least for now, supplemented with the reserves that we have. And, um, and so that's good news. Um, the but what it also means is how are we going to do next year if in fact a lot big portion of this has to do with the annual fund and i want to just say that we had a a um 
a long talk, a couple of talks with the board about whether we do another annual fund campaign, given people's issues around some people lost jobs, having hard times with with housing, um, impacts of the fire, et cetera. Um, but we decided that as good stewards of the center, that we were going to do a, a campaign that basically bridges where we are right now and gets us through this period. So, um, and really it's a sustainability campaign and the targets are less than what we had in the past, what we need to keep ourselves going. And if we need less, we will let you know that as well. If we are, you know, if we are successful in the rent reduction, but that's really what the, the uh, annual fund campaign is gonna look like. And you're gonna be hearing more of that in the next um, few days is when we'll kick off and kick that off. Um, board members have already made their pledges. So I guess this is a, you know, a request to do exactly, do what you can do. And, you know, that's what we're requesting and that's all we can expect. But we're really trying to maintain, you know, all that we offer here um, because we think, you know, and hear that people are really appreciating it and um, needing it more than ever. Um, you know, incidentally, I just want to say we just had a death in our family, which reminded me about my own passing, you know, inevitably. And I just have been taking steps to remember Insight Santa Cruz in my own will. So that's another option that you have if you can't necessarily give now to think about. Um, and then other good news on the income side is Larry. How long, how many times have you heard his name in these thank yous? Um, but Larry applied for, and it appears that we will receive money from the county in a stimulus-related grant. And it ended up coming via literally um, a, a, a drawing, you know, out of the hat. Like, it, you know, they didn't know how to allocate it. So we won the lottery, and we don't know exactly how much it is. But that is something that we get to expect. And again, if it's, you know, significant, we'll let you know and we'll accommodate it, you know. But thank you, you know, Larry, and thank you, you know, County of Santa Cruz, and thank you, the federal government, if that's where this resources came from. Um, and then one other, so again, we're trying really hard, good stewards of this organization. So one other income-related item that we want to share with you is exploring this an idea about subletting our space. And or it's a space, it's a share space agreement with uh, some yoga teachers who contacted us. And um, after, you know, discussing it in different formats, uh, the board met last week and we decided to try a trial run for November and possibly through December. And during that time, we'll be analyzing and collecting information about how that works for them and for us and the impact of our volunteers or our center in other ways. And it will also give us time to collect information from you about you know your thoughts about this and whether you think it's a good idea. Um, and it's gonna give us time and probably most importantly to start the process of really looking at what you think about reopening to our own programs. Um, so what that looks like. And so we, regarding reopening, we're ultimately, I mean that, you know, as a center, we're committed to a safe and welcoming space and we're led by the, you know, Buddhist principles, the compassion, loving kindness, non-harming, it's really what is driving us. And the question is, what's compassionate and what's non-harming in the world of COVID? It's an interesting question. Is non-harming open, you know, and offering the, the, you know, the center or is it keeping folks safe? So 
that's our process and we're in it and you're going to be in it with us. Um, so we're preparing first to survey the teachers really to understand their readiness because if teachers aren't ready, then it seems like it's a hard thing to open. Um, and then we will likely be following up with a Sangha survey similar to what we did last May. And it was a beautiful response. And we hope you all again respond to this one. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll look at that. But just as Bob was saying a few minutes ago, it's complicated because it's not just about opening the doors and having a teacher show up. It's really, you know, it's about volunteers who open and close and volunteers who clean. It's very different to have the weekly cleaning compared to an hourly cleaning that might be required. And we need new protocols for in and outs and distance seatings and, you know, use of the fabric cushions and whatnot, you know, purchasing of HEPA filters and sanitizer, et cetera, and understanding what we would do if there was an outbreak or transmission. So it's like we're trying to hold all of it and we take it seriously. And if this is something that's really important to the center and we can figure out a way to pull it off, then the process will be to, it will be done clearly in a very slow and gradual way. So it might be one sit or two sits per week, you know, when the time comes, but we can't commit to that at this point. And we're just really wanting to know you to know what our process is. So the last thing I want to talk about is that assuming our annual fund campaign is successful and resources are, are solid, honestly, one of the biggest challenges that exists now and has been, existed for a number of years is about Donna in terms of time and expertise. And I don't know if you've noticed on the newsletter how many times we have a request for our volunteers or sit leaders or Zoom hosts or you know, a treasurer or a, you know, tech people or whatever. And, you know, what's really interesting is that given the way we operate now, there is a need for these professional volunteers that didn't exist before. And it makes a difference and it does make a difference. And it's really important. And we've got to figure out a way to meet that need. And so I'm going to just list these for you. And I want you to think not, you know, think about maybe what you could possibly do or what you could possibly do in the future, not now, but maybe in, in a year or, you know, whatever, you're going off a board, maybe you can go on a new one or, well, I don't know how to do, I've done bookkeeping in the past, but, you know, I don't know, QuickBooks, you know, all of the ways in which you might be able to contribute even in a little way. And, um, you know, think about that. And the other thing is knowing that you, whether it's you or maybe you have a contact or someone you know, like, you know, Karen, you know, was listening to what we needed and she brought her husband in and he's done, you know, amazing things. Larry, thank you. So it's, I would like you to hear this and those in that way. And if there's anything that you feel like is you're capable of doing, because if we don't do this, if we don't figure this out, we either have to cut back significantly or we are, you know, we're at risk in some ways, uh, you know, in some ways. And I don't, it's not serious yet, but um, we're, people are really tired who have been doing some of these jobs. So, for example, you know, our increasing dependency on technology um, during this time, it's, we couldn't be doing this without technology. And it includes web, webmaster, e-blast person, MailChimp, survey management, audio, video, audio streaming, Zoom, there's, there's just, it's an it's a infrastructure that didn't used to be necessary for us to operate that does. And then, you know, there's some of those are more professional and some of these can be learned. 
Um, we also have professional needs to take some level of skill relative to like the treasurer, the bookkeeper, fundraising, payroll. Those are things where we have people in place, but we are going to be seeing them transition out. And, and those are hugely important jobs. And I want to just do a shout out to our dear bookkeeper, Betsy. I hope it's okay if I um, say this, but she's been doing this, I think, for 10, 8, 9, 10 years um, and I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. And I think she's going to be, she's stepping down in a couple of months and we're going to need someone who can just monitor the QuickBooks, you know, reports. It's, you know, what the, given what she's done and the revisions of, of how we've done things, it's getting easier, but it's a very important role. Treasurer, we need backup treasurer because Larry's going to leave someday and et cetera. And then there's the operations stuff, you know, volunteer coordinator, newsletters, writers and editors and facilities manager. And we've got people in those roles. But Carol, who I think has been doing volunteer coordination for, is it eight years? I think is ready to, to share it with someone. And she's been stepping up in ways that are really invaluable in the um, in teaching and whatnot. Um, there's also leadership roles, board members, especially board officers, you know, there's some who got you know, like in their seventh or eighth year uh, and their three year commitment on the board. So um, and officers, especially. And um, there's not to mention what it takes to support the program, the teachers, the facilitators, the sit leaders, the program coordinator, the program committee members, the you know, Zoom hosts, the visiting teacher hosts. And lastly, when we do reopen, cleaning, open and closing, shopping, library, accepting and depositing Donna, which thank goodness Patty's been doing it for longer than Betsy's been doing her bookkeeping world. Thank you, Patty. Um, accepting and distributing mail. So I appreciate those of you who just listened for a few minutes of this long list, but it's important and any ideas that you have that can help us figure this out. We really appreciate it because we've really tried a number of things and we're having, we're, we're struggling here. So um, thank you. Um, so like I said, you could consider any one of these jobs or you could help us find people who could maybe do these jobs or you could, you know, take part of one or you could just help us brainstorm. What do we do here? The other thing I want to say is I bet everybody on this Zoom call is volunteering in some way. And thank you for all the ways that you are or have volunteered. So I just, just want to say thank you because I know almost everybody steps up at one way or another. So um, the most involved thing, most important thing for me about this center and what we've experienced is community and volunteering is one way for me personally to experience community because um, we work together. But that's really what this is all about. And whether you volunteer or not, stay connected, stay involved, attend the sits, give us your feedback, you know. Just we just welcome you in every possible way that you can be a part of this uh, uh, the community because your presence here is what feeds me and what the learning is what supports all of us, I think, and that we need it now more than ever. So um, thanks for the this operational administrative piece is always hard because it's, it feels like it takes away from this heart-mind connection, the practice piece of it. And 
I feel like I'm, yeah, that's really, 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 really what's important here. So thanks for listening. Do you have any questions? I just, um, I need to leave, but uh, I, since I live far away, I no longer drive and I have mobility limitations. I, I can't volunteer for any of those wonderful volunteer duties, but I do have uh, an advanced practice credential as a nurse practitioner and a background in an environmental, occupational and environmental health. And I just want to suggest to you that in your negotiations with your landlord, that you talk about the ventilation systems because uh, one of the key factors in reducing COVID risk in indoor environments is having the appropriate ventilation system. And um, I know that that uh, you did, there were a lot of uh, modifications made to the space to make it appropriate for Insight Santa Cruz's needs, but uh, the ventilation system should not be one of them. So HEPA filters are one thing, but the movement of air in the larger spaces and making sure that that is appropriate to that space so that people can be safe in that space is something that you should uh, hold your landlord accountable for. So if you can use that as a bargaining ship, I, I would um, say go for it because yeah, it's something, I mean, we're, we're getting past the time where we can keep our doors and windows open all the time. So um, yeah, just anyway, that's just something to keep in mind. So. Thank you. And I see Bill's on the call too. He's one of the people helping us with that. So we'll take that in mind. Thank you. Okay. I also want to say not to, not to force anybody into a volunteer job, but every single one of those volunteer jobs I described, except the last little bit of opening and closing, all can be done virtually, just so you know. Um, what else? Any other questions? Yes, Heidi. Yeah, I'm really glad that Kathleen brought up the point about the ventilation. And I just wonder if when we are beginning to think about what we'll need to do uh, to reopen, if we'll have some more expert guidance, some, some scientific guidance on that, because it seems like we're, we're talking about things like still worrying about fabric cushions, which we've now learned that that's really not much of a threat, or cleaning surfaces that, it, as Kathleen said, it's it's the air, it's the circulation, it's the filtration. But, you know, things have, have changed in our knowledge since the beginning of the pandemic, pandemic. And I just want to be sure that we'll have the best possible advice as we look at what we need to do so that we're not wasting effort on things that are really not very important. Okay, thank you. We're following the CDC and county, you know, guidelines, but we will definitely be reminded that that's, that's make sure we're using whatever is up to date and, and get the, the, the follow-up and advice we need. Yes, Bob. Yeah, there's a physician uh, that attends regular sits, John Rich, and he also is going to be part of the consulting team that we'll consult with, as well as some of the nurses and, and what is the safe protocol if we are able to do this. And just a reminder, even though Santa Cruz just moved to a lighter tier, uh, just a couple of days ago, nearly 100,000 people um, had has COVID. It, it's surging in 40 of 50 states. So um, we we need to pay very close attention.
Okay, what else? I have a question in regards to subletting. Um, and I'm actually wondering if our lease allows that. We have built in some amount of subletting in the lease agreement. And if we want to do more, we probably will be needing to talk with our landlords, but it's built in as it, because we, we had the office that we thought we might be subletting when we first signed on board. So that was built into the lease, which is nice. So yeah, there, there is a possibility, but we are definitely in the middle, you know, looking at the lease as part of this process. Thank you. Yes, Abby. A lot of, Linda, as you were talking, it was really reminding me of a similar talk I heard on Friday from the head of Kirby School, Christy Hutton, who's brilliant. And um, it just struck me that a lot that we're, that ISC is trying to navigate a lot of the same issues as the school is, um, especially in terms of weighing, um, you know, sort of mental health with risk of COVID and that kind of thing. Christy's truly brilliant and um has, in my mind, very, very good judgment and is really science-based and is really conservative in terms of not wanting a single case of COVID to come through the school and also is really concerned about people's mental health. She might be a really, she, she's a deep thinker and she might be a good person to talk to. Thank you. And I have to go, everybody. One more question and then we'll <laughs> back to Bob. Thank you, Abby. I have a comment that I'd like to add into the realm of the looking for um, bookkeeping people. Um, and that is that I am very willing to work with somebody if, if they don't know QuickBooks. I'm very willing to work with somebody that is willing to learn it. Um, and there's a couple of other aspects that um, if somebody wanted to start as somewhat of an assistant to the bookkeeper and move into the position over time, I'm completely willing and open to that possibility. Um, so, you know, it's not that we want to dump it into anybody's lap, you know, full out. Um, we really do need and want to have a smooth transition here. Um, so if there is anybody that's interested in working with that, in any capacity um, to contact me or contact Linda or contact Larry. Right. So. Thank you. Thank you all. Appreciate your listening. So thank you. And we have a couple of minutes left and we began with a sit. Let's end with a sit. And yes, I also just want to actually briefly just acknowledge Betsy. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. But also just sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. For those that don't know, that's the Pali for well done, well done, well done. And this noble path of purifying the heart and the mind. You know, when we think about the, the lessening of these three causes of suffering that begins with ignorance and because of that, moves into craving and aversion. It's nice to reflect upon the opposite. With the lessening of greed, craving, there's contentment. Some of these few breaths that we have together, falling away of 
greed and the rising of contentment. And the falling away of aversion, hatred in, in its place is love, metta, compassion. Falling away of ignorance or not knowing is clarity, is understanding of suffering, its causes, the path to freedom. So these breaths in and breaths out, cultivating contentment that money cannot buy, the open heart of loving kindness and clarity or wisdom or wise understanding, these are supreme. These are the teachings of the Buddha. May all beings discover the gateways into the heart and grow with wisdom and compassion. May there be peace. Thank you. This is so wonderful to be with you all. Hmm. Thank you. We'll see each other soon. And keep going. <laughs>